This podcast may contain explicit language. This is the Dynasty Download Podcast. Welcome back to the Dynasty Download Podcast. This is Tom. And Ethan, 2018 champ. And uh, so, as promised, uh, we're coming back at you for uh, our post-draft rookie rankings uh, for uh, Dynasty purposes. So, um, I did just a quick list of 30, um, because this is probably the deepest rookie draft I can remember. There were 36 uh, receivers taken in the entirety of the draft, um, and uh, I don't have a single quarterback in my top 30. Oh, I didn't group them all together like that. I can in my head, but I just went basically through the wide receivers and the and the running backs. But I wouldn't I have, have a had couple a quarterback of, in there either way. Yeah, I have a couple of um, uh, what well, uh, how to put it tight ends here at the back end of my overall thirty. Um, I just put them all together because um, doing individual rankings. I don't know if that's as um, beneficial as doing the full uh piece because you're going to be drafting from the whole pool for uh overall um tomorrow it looks like we're going to be trying to do a mock draft ranking or excuse me mock draft of our league uh we'll just need to get a picks list and uh kind of go over that based on team needs and the rest of it but today so um do you want to start with your list or do you want to take a look at mine how do you want to go about it Let's go through your list because, again, you did more than I did. Okay. I only did like 20, so. So do you want to do from 1 to 30 or do you want to do from 30 to 1? 30 to 1. All right. So 30 for me is Tyler Johnson. Uh, I like him coming in. I think he is a potential, um, just like number 29 on the list, a guy that, uh, some of these Big Ten wide receivers, um, they come in and they actually fit really well because the Big Ten's running more pro sets, uh, or at least old school type pro sets where um, you have a little bit more of a running angle to it. And so um, you've got to be more route conscious as opposed to um, more of the spread offenses of the Big 12 and some of that, um, where it's a little bit more wide open, um, no huddle type situations so uh i think they're just uh they're maybe not as athletic as some of those other guys but i think they've developed the game a little bit more quickly so tyler johnson going over to uh tampa bay to possibly fit in as that third wide receiver or at least the first fill-in kind of that where um Perriman was at the end of last year with both evans and godwin out um you know i think he slots in well and can probably fit with um tom brady pretty quickly um, and get up to speed. Uh, 29, Quintus Cephas, uh, the former uh, UW Badger uh, standout. Um, I think he probably, and honestly, if this draft class wasn't so deep, I think both of these guys probably would have gone a little bit higher just because of, um, I, I think they're deep picks, but um, Cephas goes to a role where uh, maybe a year from now, we don't know if, um, oh, why am I drawing a blank on his name? Um, Marvin Jones, uh, who actually has, um, for being a number two in Detroit, like a good fantasy roster, like he's a decent wide receiver three angle, uh, wide receiver two upside, depending on how Galladay's, um, looking at any one possible time. But, uh, Cephas might slot in as that number two depending on how that goes um you know going forward and i actually like his opportunity uh depending on how he pans out uh 28 anthony mcfarland jr going to pittsburgh 27 cole Komet, the notre dame prospect going to um, chicago as a tight end prospect 26 adam troutman uh going to uh, new orleans 25, Brian Edwards from South Carolina, and 24, Lynn Bowden Jr. from Kentucky going to uh, the now Las Vegas Raiders, which I got to tell you, every time I see LV, it still kind of like uh, throws me for a loop. I'm like, who the fuck is that? But 
Uh, number 23, Joshua Kelly, uh, stepping into a potential um, opportunity. Um, you know, kind of probably underperformed what I thought he might have at UCLA, but uh, going to the LA Chargers. So really the color scheme not changing all that much. Um, number 22, T. Higgins, uh, upside um, wide receiver option, but uh, already the fourth or fifth uh, wide receiver on that team. But in a couple of years when A.J. Green may or may not leave uh, and um, maybe Auden Tate or John Ross is completely flamed out or something of that nature, he gets some opportunities. He's a, a high upside prospect, uh, drafted the first pick in the second round um, to uh, kind of sandwich with uh, Gerald Burrow going forward. Uh, number 21, A.J. Dillon. Pretty much I only put him on there for immediate impact as a handcuff to Aaron Jones. Um, and we will stop there. Any reaction to any of those? Uh, Cephas was the first one that jumped out to me. I don't like, I didn't like him as a prospect at all. A lot of people uh, might be like, Ethan, you're a badger hater. It's more than that. Um, only being six, one running a four, seven, um, that's really slow for, uh, or a wide receiver. Some other notes that I had for him when I was, watching some of his tape um footwork wasn't as great as i thought it could be um and he wasn't really this goes back to the speed he wasn't really separating uh from defensive backs in the big 10 and i know their defense is really really well with plays really really well so i i just don't think he'll be successful um at the next level and then another one that jumped out to you, to me, that was surprising that you had him so low is T Higgins. I have him honestly as one of my top 10 uh, rookie wide receivers. And I think overall I'd have him probably around 15 or so uh, with the rookies. Those are just a couple that jumped out to me right away. So I could possibly have him a couple of spots higher um, on this list. He could probably jump up to 20. I just, by comparison to some of the other ones that have um, different opportunities, he's also the fifth wide receiver on that team. Like, I know he's drafted highly, but the amount of other guys that they're, like, John Brown was a top 10 pick at one point. Um, Auden Tate actually did pretty well last year. Uh, you've still got, um, oh, why am I drawing a blank on um, the Tyler Boyd is still on the team and then they're still, they just gave a franchise tag to AJ green for the year. So like, at least for the immediate impact, I just don't see it. I he'll be on the team and moving forward. Like he's a very talented prospect. It's just a matter of, uh, I don't see him even getting like a number of targets to really work into the offense this year in the same way that other people would like, I have uh, one we're going to get to here in a second, but like, Chase Claypool is in a better situation at the moment where he's only got to play with like two or three guys ahead of him, um, you know, in, in Pittsburgh and a better, more polished uh, veteran quarterback has a possibility of making a bigger impact more immediately. That That's really the only argument. Long-term prospect, if you're talking three years from now, T. Higgins is probably above several of the guys on this list. That's exactly what I'm talking about. I don't think immediate impact. No, of course not. He's got people in front of him, but I think the people in front of him are going to fall off real quick. There's only so much rope that John Ross can get and Tyler Boyd and all those other people that you stated in front of him. This kid is six, four. He didn't run at the combine, but they're talking about, he was around a four five. He played all three spots while at Clemson. So you can put him in the slot, a six, four slot, man, that would be amazing to see. Um, and then just him in the red zone with that big of a target and catch radius. He's just somebody that I like. Um, I wasn't as high on him um, as a prospect before the draft, um, but then I dived into him a little bit more and then putting him with Joe Burrow and those two could be together for the foreseeable future. That's mostly where my rankings are coming from. Um, I, I like him as a somebody that I'm going to want on my dynasty squad a couple years from now. Like, I, I certainly understand the, the fervor, and you are always, uh, the top thing I'm looking for is, it does this guy have wide receiver one potential for his team? Like, not for the league, like, obviously wide receiver one being only those top ten guys, but, like, can he be the number one target on his own team at some point? Yeah, he has that ability. Uh, I just don't know when that's going to come, because Tyler Boyd is clearly the number one target on that team right now. Um, 
And even though Tyler Eifert left um, and, uh, you know, some of that, again, he's he's way down the depth chart as far as that and, like, really getting the opportunity to work in. Because more than anything, you just need experience sometimes at wide receiver in order to, like, really adjust to the league. Like, the two hardest positions usually are the ones that take the longest to really work in um, as far as uh, just totality of the league is usually secondary and wide receivers because the speed and the technical ability is so much different um, at the collegiate level from the NFL. And so like, that's why we're waiting on these guys two or three years. I'm just saying by comparison, I think he might have a, like the payoff may be greater at the end, but your uh, wait time may be longer than some of these other guys. Um, let's go back because I don't think that he's going to be anywhere else um, on your squad because I think you would have mentioned him already. Van Jefferson. Um, I have him as uh, one of my top um, dynasty wide receivers as well. I think just outside of my top 10 for rookie rankings. One, I like his landing spot um, because the Rams have showed in the past that they can they can have that many wide receivers and still be fantasy relevant. Um, I don't think it doesn't look like the Rams are going to resign Cooper cup at all because this guy is essentially the same type of receiver, but watching him run routes is a thing of beauty. It'll bring a tear to your eye. Sit down and watch Van Jefferson run routes. It is awesome to see. Um, I think this kid can be really, really good in another couple of years too. And so that's why I have him as high as I do on my board. Well, I like the Rams system, but also they're in fluctuation, and I've mentioned it before on this uh, show that um, they're still trying to decide between the 11 personnel and the 12 personnel sets that they were ending the year in. And so if they're going to go to a more 12 personnel look, and they drafted another tight end, um, Bryson Hopkins out of uh, Purdue, so you would think that maybe they're going to work into that more 12 personnel set, uh, be a little bit more run, play action heavy, uh, instead of working constantly out of single back uh, 11. Um, I, I If they're working more out of 11, he gets more opportunities. If they're working out of 12, he's got three guys he's trying to beat out for at least two years. In um, Cup, uh, Josh Reynolds, and... Um, uh, why am I drawing a blank? Robert Woods. Um, and again, a lot of this list is based on opportunity. When are you going to be able to work in? Particularly running backs, like, you know, how many people are in front of you? When are you going to get opportunities to work yourself in? Like, I, you know, the wait time when it comes to some of these rookies, you're always trying to balance where the bust rate is. That's the hard part of Dynasty, whereas redraft, you can redraft these guys multiple times because you're only sitting on them for one year as a prospect. And, you know, you may not take them as a rookie. You take them in the second year. Okay, they don't work out. Maybe third year. But um, they're never more than I can cut this guy at any time. Whereas in this Dynasty shift, we're really sitting on these guys sometimes. And you're sitting to see, okay, like... Let's take, for an example, the difference between um, A.J. Brown and Corey Davis last year. Like, you've been sitting on Corey Davis for a few years now, and where does it really start to show where I need to cut bait on this guy? Like, that's the equation that's always going through my head. I give him, like, if I don't see progress after, like, year two, like, where you can see, okay, he's going to become more and more. With Corey Davis, you didn't see that. Um, but then I can take you on the flip side. I can talk about Chris Godwin. I sat on Chris Godwin for a couple years too, but every year you kept seeing more and more and more, and you just you have to trust to hold on to him. I Van Jefferson would be another one of those guys where I, but with my squad, I feel like I can I can afford to wait on some wide receivers. Um, but he's a guy that I would wait. I would wait two maybe three years on him because I but, really really think the payoff for him would pay for it. So, like, I think system matters a ton to this. Like, Chris Godwin is a great example of that, okay? Um, Chris Godwin, to me, does not break out in the same way because he had opportunities and, like, everybody thought he was going to start two years ago before last season. 
but he doesn't break out until he becomes kind of the slot producing receiver in a highly productive offense for a guy that uh, is one of the best offensive minds in football. Like, um, why am I drawing a blank on the coach's name? Um, gosh, Andy Reed, Kyle Shanahan, and the coach of the Buccaneers are like the three offensive geniuses that are collectively that everybody says are there. I might put Greg Roman in that category because he took Tyrod Taylor and the Buffalo Bills to the frickin' playoffs one year, but like, and now he's doing wonders with uh, Lamar Jackson. But um, I just you you wonder sometimes what the fit is going to be, what the uh, or how it's going to be used, all of those other things, and the rest of it. Like, Corey Davis, his situation hasn't changed much from a rookie to now where you think he's going to produce, and they're running a lot of 12 personnel, um, maybe even um, uh, kind of almost a 13 personnel type of situation, and so it's going to give him limited opportunities, whereas A.J. Brown thrived in that, and so uh, it's hard sometimes to call all of those things. Like, And the only reason I even have Cephas on the list is simply um, opportunity. Like, If the Lions decide to walk away from paying um, uh, Marvin Jones Jr. next year or something like that, or cut him, you know, is this a guy that could potentially step in? I don't know, but, you know, like, give me uh, a undrafted Alan Lazard over, like, Josh Reynolds, who, you know, two years ago, you would have said, why? Like, the dynasty rankings. It's sometimes a matter of where these guys fit and where they have opportunity. Like you give me the second or third potential wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers versus the fourth on the Rams system. Like there's where the difference is depending regardless of where they were drafted or the talent level. It's sometimes just a matter of does this guy get opportunities? And so that's kind of where my lists goes in. I'm not going to pretend that like this is going to end up being the prophetic list of all lists. And if you follow this, this will lead to your eventual glory. But like, you know, it, it's just my attempt at trying to put this together. And that's why I had somebody like Adam Troutman on there, who is a great receiving tight end, kind of a matchup nightmare, isn't a great blocker, but I can see like Sean Payton really wanting to try and use him in the same way that they used to use Jimmy Graham. Like that kind of speedy tight end who creates matchup issues. So, you know, that's why I included him. I think he's worth at least a flyer, you know, third or fourth round in a rookie draft. So, um, do you want to go through the next set? Uh, you can keep going. I'll just react. All right. So, number 20, uh, a guy I said during the draft the other day, I think, um, who I think three years from now could be a top five tight end just because of the situation that he's in, the uh, program that he comes from, so some of the history of some of those guys, and um, the way that uh, Russell Wilson loves to throw to his tight ends, Colby Parkinson. Um, again, you look at it, and um, we had three relevant um, fantasy tight ends come out of Seattle where they had less of a pedigree and talent share. I love to anybody that is playing the starting number one tight end for Seattle. They always seem to somehow produce like people don't, don't remember, but Will Disley was the number one tight end in fantasy when he got hurt in like week four or week five. So he's someone anyway. you're going to have to hold on to for maybe a year or two though, because you got Greg Wilson oh, that's there. Definitely. But you're thinking about that for tight ends regardless. Like if I'm a holder of Will Disley, my, that stock is basically plummeted because uh they're probably looking at parkinson as being um the new blocking inline guy and sitting him behind greg olson for a year and letting them both develop or something else and this guy will eventually be that but like think of some of the other stanford tight ends and how they've panned out mm, zach Ertz. i think you're a little familiar with him but heard of him heard anyway. of him yeah so uh number 19 chase claypool um, kind of a really big athletic guy. I just don't know what the situation is going to be. Deontay Thompson um, currently being ahead of him. Who is, uh, 
there was another guy in Pittsburgh. There are like three guys with uh, Juju. James, James Washington. Oh, yes. James Washington, Thompson, and um, Juju Smith-Schuster just ahead of him. And, like, I love um, how Pittsburgh seems to be able to draft and, like, develop these, like, second and third round wide receivers into, like, studs. But, um, you know, this guy's got a, a possibility. It's going to be dependent on where the quarterback situation goes after this next year. Um, I don't know what Ben's going to look like coming back from that uh, Tommy John type surgery. Um, and uh, he's still got several guys ahead of him. So I think it's one of those where you're kind of drafting and hoping on history a little bit to hit on that one, but he's not as high as uh, some of the other guys who I think have more immediate opportunities. Uh, number 18, Darrington Evans. Uh, I think I mentioned him the other day already. Uh, he's going to be um, the new, like, uh, oh, why am I? Gosh, I keep forgetting names on this damn podcast. Uh, Deion Lewis uh, in that Tennessee backfield um, fit that kind of role, um, kind of the backup to Derrick Henry. But with Derrick Henry taking as many carries as he did last year, I just like his opportunity to potentially have a little bit more impact. Again, this is number 18 on the list, so who knows. But uh, number 17, K.J. Hamler, uh, another guy where uh, he has big playability. He's going to be playing a lot of slot work along with um, Jerry Judy, who's uh, higher on this list um, overall. But they're going to be playing um, you know, down the list by comparison to targets um, to some of those other guys. Uh, he could eventually work his way into some production. He's just, he's going to have to battle for targets. Number 16, Devin Duvernay. Uh, I mentioned him on the podcast the other day. Um, just another speedy slot guy to pair with a, uh, you know, big time MVP quarterback uh, out in Baltimore. Michael Pittman Jr. We had a long discussion on the other day at number 15. I know Love you're him. probably, yeah, Love you're him. probably going to be a little upset that he's uh, this low possibly Love on him. But I just, I, you know, the the Colts situation at quarterback, I, I do love them taking Jacob Eason the other day. Um, I just, where is the opportunity by comparison to some of these other guys? Like, you know, T.Y. Hilton, if he's healthy, is going to be there. They're still working on two other guys from last year, Paris Campbell, and uh, I'm still drawing a blank on the other guy that came out of... Um, uh, was like a fifth round or sixth round pick for them last year that actually started to produce uh, towards the end of last year. But um, if he gets opportunities, like he's talented enough that he could move much higher on this list. I just don't see, you know, he has a longer way to go to number one status on his own team by you, comparison to some of these other guys. You number can't 14, tell me, you can't tell me you can't find a way to get a six, four kid that can run a four five forty with a 37 foot vertical jump ways to get him the ball there's no way yes i can there's no way i love i love I, his I talent think... and i like the spot where he landed in um just in just history alone um the colts they 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 get some wide receivers and they do really well with them uh paris campbell i don't think is going to be an issue for him because paris campbell will probably work primarily out of the slot uh, T.Y. Hilton can never stay healthy. When he is healthy, he's a dog. I mean, he's a beast. Um, but he's not getting any younger either. I just think, you know, and for me, and I think this is where our mindsets are different because this is where our teams are different as well. I can afford to wait on people a little bit longer more than you can. And I think that's just where our rankings and our philosophy are is just a little bit different at this point in time. I got no problem waiting a couple years for this kid because I really, really think um, once he figures out his offense and once he, once he figures out that he can out-physical um, these uh, these corners, because um, he's a big, big kid, um, I like him a lot. And I think, he'll be, I think he'll be in wide receiver one territory in a couple of years, fantasy purposes. In fact, I would say it's actually the opposite. You have less of an incentive to wait than I do. Where oh, I'm man. on the knife's edge between choosing between kind of like I'm hovering around uh, eight seed in the playoffs type territory where you need to figure out whether you're going to tank for a lottery pick or uh, you need to uh, start playing your guys and seeing if you can uh, improve just slightly to get a, a little bit of a boost. But I don't have that Giannis type player other than Pat Mahomes on the team where I can really put somebody in and uh, have them carry me. So, well, it remains to be seen. I just... I, 
first off, I don't agree with you that Paris Campbell is going to be operating out of the slot. I, I, I do. I, I think he operated way too much on the outside uh, in at Ohio State. The slot was reserved for KJ Hill primarily. So that's that. Although that's a guy who uh, could be the understudy to Keenan Allen in it for the Chargers. You know, I didn't get him on this list, but there are some guys that didn't make this list that like I feel pretty good about and have opportunities, like some household names. Um, if you watch college ball. So, all right, 14, Henry Ruggs, the third, love the talent. Um, I just honestly have no idea what, um, Vegas is going to be doing and where the target share is going to go. And because there are so many questions, uh, surrounding that wide receiver room, um, I just, I can't credibly put him forward as like the top wide receiver. He just ends up sliding down. So, uh, 13, Zach Moss, um, again, love the oper- or the uh, ability, and it's more of a potential upside if um, Singletary doesn't end up being, um, or ends up getting hurt or something else. This is a guy that's probably a must handcuff, um, and it's a high opportunity handcuff. Like, I think he can probably step in for Singletary, and you really don't miss anything as an offense. Uh, 12, Brandon Aik. Um, we discussed him a little bit the other day, but, um, just going where he slots in as the number two wide receiver on a fairly good offense, um, has ability, game breaking ability. Um, health is going to be one of the bigger questions for me. Um, but his immediate impact and opportunity, um, he has the potential to really, uh, do some things, uh, and in a, uh, wide receiver group that loses how many targets with Emmanuel Sanders being gone, uh, I like him to possibly fill in and take quite a few of those, even as a rookie. Uh, number 11, we talked extensively about the other day, um, Denzel Mims. And I just, this is one where maybe long-term value isn't as high as some of the other guys, but this is a guy who I could easily see being the number one target on that offense next season. Like, I don't think he will be. I still think it'll be Crowder because of how much Adam Gase's system Uh, throws to the slot and that's why I drafted Crowder in a lot of leagues last year my redraft leagues but um, you know even as the number two target I think he's he could average five targets a game minimum on that team and if you're getting that much volume and opportunity your ability to at least make an impact more immediately um, becomes greater so that's my 20 through 11. I don't got a problem with too much of it. Uh, Denzel Mims, I have um, around that, I think, at just outside the top 10. Um, I would have liked him to land in a better spot because I love him as a prospect. Um, I just don't trust Sam Darnold. Um, that's really the only thing that I have for him. Other than that, everything kind of lines up with how I, how I look. Same with Henry Ruggs. I don't love that spot. And I understand what the Raiders are kind of trying to do. You have one ride receiver that does this, one that does that, and another that does a completely different thing. Um, So, right, there's only one football to go around. And then still your quarterback is Derek Carr. And I think that handicaps Henry Ruggs more than it does the other, um, more than it does the other receivers, just because um, I don't think Derek Carr has the arm for for a, a car like Henry Ruggs. I think Brian Edwards will um, will see um, positive from it, but I, I, Henry Ruggs, he the landing spot for sure knocked him down a couple pegs for me. Well, I'm, I know that like Tyrell Williams spent a lot of the season hurt last year, and that really um, incapacitated the Raiders. But that slot position is already kind of taken over by um, uh, Hunter Renfro for them, who came up big with actually a lot of catches. Uh, on third downs and was kind of that safety blanket for them. But they still have um, two tight ends that were at least fantasy relevant. Um, Particularly Darren Waller had like a ton of catches last year. I think he might've had over a hundred targets and uh, did he have over a hundred catches? Like his tight ends or his touchdowns weren't huge, but like, I think most of his value was people. He had a lot of catches. Yeah. He had a lot of catches. I don't remember exactly how much, but I can. And so like, Part of that bothers me. One of the the ones that also bothers me is is that um, they're going to list Lynn Bowden as a running back, at least to start. Um, And with Josh Jacobs being the primary guy, 
Um, that does concern me a little as to what his opportunities are going to be and what they're going to use him for. If he's going to be their third down back motion out of the backfield, keep him in, and maybe they're going to try and be creative with him, I, that may take a while for that to all pan out uh, immediately, and I'm not sure what they're going to try and do with him. Also, these guys that are gadget players, the Randall Cobbs, the uh, Tavon Austin types, uh, have never really seemed to translate to the NFL in the same way that they were in college. So that does concern me. Like, I like his ability because he's um, variable, but it doesn't seem like the guys in the NFL always know how to use these guys. The one guy that seems to translate somehow, and it's because Andy Reid is Andy Reid, but like Tyreek Hill and the way that the Chiefs kind of use him sometimes um, in being kind of that gadget player and doing these end arounds, jet sweeps and all of that stuff um, ends up doing a lot of different things. So that could be something if he gets in the right situation where like John Gruden actually isn't more old school, but um, you know, I, maybe Brian Edwards says it. I just, they paid a lot of money to Tyrell Williams and he's going to be the number one. And then Darren Waller for as many uh, opportunities he had last year. I just don't know where everybody slots in yet. And well, the- throwing like a whole bunch of shit against the wall and seeing what sticks like does give me pause. The fun thing about um, being on a team and athletics in general, the best player will play, you know, so the timeshare will figure itself out. The ball will figure oh, out, out where it's going to go. It's just the hard thing is for us right now is we don't fucking know. Well, <laughs> like, right. And no so do you really want to spend a pick? Do you really want to spend? That's- yes. And that's why Henry Ruggs fell for me. Um, I loved Bowden Jr., honestly. And now hearing that he's going to be a running back, and he jumps up a little bit higher for me. But he's still not going to be a guy that you can like depend on week in and week out. Like I know he's going to get me this many points. Like can the consistency thing would be, would be tough to, to deal with, but um, yeah, the Raiders there, that one's going to be, someone's just going to have to take a risk. And I don't think I'm willing to take that risk, but I'll be, I'll love to watch somebody else do it. I, you know, he might be one where that situation doesn't pan out year one and somebody puts him back into the draft pool and you get lucky by breaking on it at that point. Kind of like I, I keep bringing up the example of Cortland Sutton, but it's the one that comes to my mind uh, first where, um, you know, that first year he had some opportunities, but he was playing second fiddle yet. And then things didn't really open up until he became that number one opportunity by Sanders getting traded. So, you know, I kind of hit on that one just by taking a flyer. But those are some of the ones where you may look at some of these guys that go back into the draft pool next year. And so having some extra picks next year early on might actually be as beneficial as having them this year. So um, any other uh, comments, questions, concerns from uh, uh, 20 through 11? No, I don't think so. I'm ready to hear your top 10. All right, so number 10, uh, C.D. Lamb. This guy would be higher if it wasn't that he's behind two established, um, possibly top 20 wide receivers. Let's, you know, it's let's, just... let's talk about that for a second. Yeah, I yeah, mean, all right. um, man, he was for sure coming in pre-draft. He was my number one. He was my number one wide receiver. Now I have him at uh, number five behind Denzel Mims and right before Henry Ruggs at six. Um, I just, it sucks. That landing spot sucks. Um, like if he goes to San Francisco or green Bay or even like Minnesota and he's the second guy, you'd love the, the opportunity. If he goes to Houston or something like that, where you're playing with Deshaun yeah. Watson, like, Houston would have been a great spot, would have been an amazing spot for him. But um, like, him being behind two younger established guys with many years on their contracts left. Yeah. Like, I just don't know how much yeah. Dallas is going to throw. Now, the one thing that I will say here is uh, Green Bay in the years from 2013 to 2018 under the McCarthy system averaged the number one amount of dropbacks in the NFL at over 70%. So they are going to throw the ball. They already established that last year. Although I will say Kellen Moore is still the offensive coordinator there. That was like a prerequisite before Mike McCarthy took over. 
So he's going to be doing most of the play calling. So it's going to be similar in offensive structure to last year. But they were playing a lot of 11 personnel with uh, slot wide receivers. And it's possible that Lamb slots in as their slot guy uh, moving forward. Although, you know, in the McCarthy system, any of those three guys could be interchangeable. Yeah, I mean, you remember you remember when the big guy was coaching here in Green Bay and he had all those weapons at at wide receiver. I mean, football wise, like real legit football wise, that's great and everything, but you couldn't, you couldn't depend on one of those guys fantasy purpose wise, um, because you just never knew whose week it was going to be. So I think that's, what's going to be CD's lamb for CD lambs problems for a couple of years. You just don't know, uh, the consistency aspect, you just don't know what he's going to put up week in and week out. I do think Michael Gallup will be slid into the slot more so um, than the other two, but you're right. I think, especially with Mike McCarthy, they all play all over the place. Wherever he finds a matchup, he's going to take care of it. Like, that doesn't shy me away from taking Lamb as a potential number one pick. Like, if I'm on the back end of uh, the first round... I was like, going to say, where do you take him, though, in the first? If you have... The fourth overall pick, you're not taking God, no. him. You're taking no, no, one no. of the running backs. You're taking one of the running backs. But if you have like seven or eight or something like that, then you start flirting with it a little bit. Well, here's like eight, nine, ten is where I'd be potentially comfortable. And it's just from this. Everybody loves the talent. Everybody loves the offense. I think somebody, his trade value might be higher than his actual value. And you might be able to flip the prospect where his value doesn't take off for several years and you get more immediate return. Like I was thinking I think, the exact same thing. That's something you can just use as a trade piece. Like, Hey, you and I both know he's really good. Hey, you and I both know he's not getting the opportunities he should be, but this is somebody, you know, you want to have on your, on your team in a couple of years. So yeah, right. I think maybe that would be his best asset, honestly. All right, so uh, number nine for me was the guy that you probably have as your number one, uh, Jalen Rager. Um, and it, it's simply because I just, I this guy could move up by the time we get to like the actual pre-draft. Like we start getting through some of the preseason and the rest of it, and we know more what the Eagles are going to do. But like, um, I, I still, that, that that's a weird crowded room where you've got two tight ends getting a majority of catches, uh, you've got running backs getting catches. You've got um, uh, questions of health in other spots. And so I'd like to know a little bit more consistency before I'm really ready to put him forward as that guy. He is actually my number two wide receiver. Um, I really wanted to put him at number one. But um, like if Deshaun Jackson or Alshon Jeffrey were to be dismissed from the team this year, he'd jump up for sure. Um, yeah, there's just... I don't think Carson Wentz has ever had a wide receiver like him before. I don't think he's ever had a wide receiver that can go up and get the ball like um, Jalen Rager can, but also has the burners that Jalen Rager has. I mean, he's had Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, we know. Um, but For Deshaun like Jackson weeks. Yeah, but Deshaun Jackson is no Jalen Rager either. I mean, he ran a slow 40 time at the combine. Um, then at his pro day, he ran a 4 um, He's about six feet. Um, he has a 42 inch vertical. Uh, I love the kid's talent. And I honestly, I love his landing spot too, because I think, I know you're not huge on Carson Wentz and now like listening well, to, no, like, I, I think the Eagles have potential and like pairing him with a younger, um, star quarterback isn't a bad thing. No, I'd love the fit more. Like I was high on it. Whoever the, whomever the Eagles ended up picking, but this is another one where like his talent is immense, but he does have injury questions in an already injury riddled team. And that does give me a little bit of pause by comparison to uh, some of the other guys, but I, I don't know. I understand injuries and stuff like that too. But for me, you and you, 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 you never know. I mean, yeah, I know. I mean, you would that's you cannot predict that. No, and if I was living that way, I wouldn't have Dalvin Cook on my team right now either. I took him with the number one overall pick a couple of years ago. So, um, well, and I'm just going to take one of those the tail. where you're you're separating by sm- small degrees, and so yep. if I can at that find point, you're almost like trying to argument one yeah, way. Yeah, you're almost like trying to talk yourself out of it at that point. But like, he's my number three wide receiver on this list, so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So number eight, Jerry Judy. Um, I just like him as slotting in as the the true slot guy. 
Um, I think his opportunity is more defined in that uh, Denver system. Fant's going to play the tight end role. Um, they're going to probably have Judy in the slot. They have their two outside guys um, in Sutton and uh, the other guy. I still can't remember his name. He's like number 17 on Denver. And I'd have to call my uh, Denver friend or whatever. May or may not know him. But um, anyway, but like I think he has more of a potential for an immediate impact in a system where they're clearly angling for um, trying to surround Drew Locke with uh, as many weapons and opportunities as they can get. Um, you know, they, we already talked about Melvin Gordon going there in the offseason. Um, Fant being a younger tight end, Sutton being an emerging wide receiver star, and then drafting both Hamler and uh, another tight end out of Missouri, um, drafting Judy. I just like the fact that uh, he's probably going to see quite a few targets, um, at least early on, and could bud into a um, very productive slot receiver for them going forward. Absolutely. Um, when I first saw the pick, um, I really did enjoy the landing spot. Um, but then doing some more research on Drew Locke, um, I like it a lot more. Jerry Judy is my number one wide receiver um, that okay. I have ranked. Um, the other wide receiver you're talking about, I think, is Deshaun Hamilton yes, from the Broncos. Um, but I don't, I think Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler step right in, um, with Cortland Sutton as the top three wide receivers. I don't think they have to worry about any of those other guys coming up to take their spot. Um, Jerry Judy is the best route runner in this draft. And it it is an amazing thing to watch him run routes. And I think that's something, if you're elite at it, especially that'll travel to the next level. And you're going to be just that much better. And you're going to have that much of a head start on these other wide receivers that aren't as polished. I think he, he does make an immediate impact. And I think in a couple of years, like next year, I think he overtakes Cortland Sutton as the number one um, option in that offense. The only reservations that I have for him is still Drew Locke. Like I'm not 100% sold on Drew Locke. I don't think right. anybody is. But I think that's what the Broncos are doing. They're like, all right, we gave you all these new toys. Now it's up to you to figure it out. Like, but, we're going like, to give this you a couple is, years. You got to figure it out. But this is the argument I have for, um, like, uh, Denzel Mims. I know your questions are like on Sam Darnold, but like, uh, Cortland Sutton produced with um, Drew Locke last year and even below that. And there have been a history of other guys that were productive wide receivers, usually big, bigger bodied guys that were playing with below average quarterbacks. Um, I mean, Nuck was getting above average uh, ability out of bad quarterbacks even a couple of years ago when Deshaun Watson was hurt. So it's not like you always need to pair that. It helps um, tremendously. And like, I don't think Jordy Nelson would have been a great wide receiver on anybody else's um, team, but pair him with Aaron Rodgers, and all of a sudden he's like hella fantasy relevant. So well, like, you, there's Greg there's some difference. Jones, but, or Greg Jennings too, and James Jones, you know, the, well, the sure. same. I know. maybe Greg so. Jennings, like I think he might have been okay in some other situations, but uh, again, sometimes fit and quarterback make it. Sometimes it's receiver. Like Calvin Johnson would have been fantasy relevant no matter who's throwing him the ball. Anywhere. <laughs> Anywhere. You know, and yeah. I could have thrown there's him the just, ball there's and just he not, there's there's not many Megatrons, there's not that many Julio Joneses that come walking out, you know? So yeah. that that is my only reservation with Jerry Judy, but he's he is my number one wide receiver. He okay. he is. So I'm glad you said that because I was gonna ask you, because uh, my number one is a guy that uh he could slide down, but I, I just, who it is, I think by process of you want to announce it. Cause that's my number seven. The top six of my list are all, um, uh, running backs. So, okay. So who is it? It's gotta be Justin Jefferson, right? It is. And it's yeah. simply because I still yeah, think, and I know that, um, we're counting on Thielen to be wide receiver one, but, um, Thielen is, I think, 29 already. Yeah, yeah. And He's older. Like, yep. if you just project forward that there has to be a guy in a productive offense that's going to be the number one receiver, you know, that guy's at least going to be uh, capable. 
I don't necessarily like him as much as the talent of some other guys like Judy or CD Lamb or whatever else, but uh, I like the fit and the opportunity, at least going forward at the moment, and that he could overtake more easily than some of these other guys as the number one wide receiver. That's my argument. I, Justin Jefferson, I have at my number eight wide receiver, and I wasn't huge on him as a back before he's found his landing spot and then he landed in minnesota and i'd even offer to because ed's got what the fourth pick in the first round third pick yeah fourth yeah um i might even you know swap trade spots or with him in the draft so he can move up to the second um maybe have a chance at getting jonathan taylor when you just you're one you're out you turn around and holy shit the ball is right in my hands already um He's an to be fair, team. I think Jamar Chase was actually better than him on that yeah. team. Yes, yes, 100%. Um, you know, and the other reason I had him as low as he is now pro-wise is there wasn't very often when Adam both had huge games. It was typical one or the other. Am I misremembering that? No, I mean, that. that's pretty... Um, obvious, but also I, I will say that like Minnesota threw the ball less. I just think that right. for his ability to be the number one guy out of that potential offense, I think is higher than um, some of these other guys. And again, uh, like I said, some of this is likely to change by the time we get through um, abbreviated OTAs and what we might or might not get out of a preseason. Like, I think it's entirely possible we basically cancel the preseason and go um, to the college set. We may have some combined practices, but this is going to be a weird year by comparison to some of the other ones. So, like, rookie receivers this year um, may not step They're in. They're going to already, yeah. Any impact. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that's another thing, too. I It's hard to learn a new offense. It's hard mm-hmm. to learn a new offense as a wide receiver, too, because you're thinking – okay, um, first off, you need to check where the coverage is. Like, where's the safety? How's yep. my cornerback playing? Then you need to be like, okay, now I have to run an out at 10, at 10 yards, a dig at 13 yards, and then you're counting. You know, you're thinking instead of playing, so then you're a step behind already as it is. It's hard to learn a new offense, and I think that's why um, wide receivers, especially in the NFL, rookie wide receivers, they, they, they are a step up. And I think to be tougher for them even more you keep cutting out bud you're like frozen yeah now it's a little bit okay well the thing is with jefferson too is just the vikings are so conservative um passing the ball sure that's my thing with them. It's it's tough for me to grade him over the other guys um, at this point in time. So, you know, again, it's just it's feeling, but that that's that's where I went. I don't think there's going to be a ton of debate on the next six or the top six of mine are all running backs. But um, you know, at least for the wide receiver debate, that's kind of where I was at. So. Um, Anyway, um, now, what was I just thinking? Oh, so you were just kind of generally mentioning um, the transition as wide receiver and the rest of it. Do you ever take um, economics in high school? I don't remember. Okay. Was it an elective thing that you had to take? No, I I think it was one of those that was like a sub-social studies course. I remember taking Mm -hmm. it. Um, and then taking economic theory with Tim. And um, there was something that he said to lead off uh, his microeconomics class that was always um, like, you'll have this epiphany moment where it'll all click and just make sense and uh, you don't need to think about it as hard. And I think that's relatable to a lot of things. And it's kind of some of the same things that I um, tell to some of the people that I train and manage um, from you know, what was my day job, um, that essentially there's a certain point in time, and it was about three months into that job specifically, where you stop thinking and just start doing, 
and right. know it well enough. There's a higher learning curve when it comes to wide receivers, and it's when does that point hit for some as opposed to others. Like, we've already said, there are some where it takes a couple of games, there are some where it takes a half a year, there are some where it takes a year and a half, two years, etc., where it just starts to click. But when it does, then they can start playing, and that's when they really start um, becoming who they're supposed to be. And so it's a matter of where that curve point's going to be. For a lot of these guys, the um, playbook install, if you're doing it over Zoom, you know, you don't have the practice reps, just plain and simple, that you're possibly going to get in every other season this year. And I, that has a lot to do with it. Um, that that makes it a lot more difficult for them. So, yeah, we're, we're most definitely going to see a step back, especially on wide receivers, rookie wide receivers this year. Well, I think that it's going to require more patience than any other season like for mm-hmm. fantasy or for dynasty owners. It's just going to be one yep. of those where, you know, you want to pump the brakes and not do something stupid or rash, like cutting Devonte Adams or uh, cutting Odell Beckham, like right before both of them excel, you know, stupid things that a particular owner did at one time. <laughs> or so anyway, uh, all right. right. Uh, I have six backs going forward all of whom I think at some point this year could receive number one duty. I pretty much rank them based on um, what their production value might be and how much volume they may see pretty much off the bat. Um, All right. um, And frankly, number five and number six could easily switch for me, just looking at it. But number six, I had Keyshawn Vaughn, uh, Tampa Bay, I think he could step in immediately and be Tampa's running back in a highly productive offense. We already know how much Tom Brady loves to dump the ball down to his backs. Um, We're still hoping that Ronald Jones holds that job, but it's just one of those where, you know, he's had opportunities. How many opportunities do you give the same guy? Uh, Number five, I had Jonathan Taylor. And simply put, there are three other established backs on the Indianapolis roster. Like, I love Jonathan Taylor running behind that line, but when is he going to get his opportunity? Like, Marlon Mack's going into a contract year, I think, this year. So maybe it's year two where Jonathan Taylor has the opportunity. And this year, you know, barring an injury, he may not. And that's why he's kind of down the list for me by comparison. But it's one of those where I really love him. I love the opportunity, but it's when. Uh, number four, J.K. Dobbins. We went through this a lot the other day. It's one where, like, uh, if he can supplant Mark Ingram, and we were already seeing at the end of last year that Justice Hill was getting a lot of carries in the late part of the season and in the playoff game, like, he got a lot of opportunities. So, you know, if Dobbins can come in, be productive, I think he's a better version of Hill. He's not quite as fast, but he can certainly scoot. Okay, um, let me stop you right there. Our okay. first two, Keyshawn Vaughn and uh, Jonathan Taylor, that was my six and that was my five as well. Um, especially for 100% of the reasons that you said so. Um, I don't think Keyshawn Vaughn is as polished as a runner as you would like at this point in time, but he yeah. can catch the football and he is quick as hell. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've watched any of his tape at all, but he is super, super quick. Um, Jonathan Taylor, opportunity. Um, he eventually he's going to be the lead dog in that in that uh, backfield. Um, yeah. It's just opportunity. Um, back to Keyshawn Vaughn, though. I think if you have Ronald Jones, I think you have to draft Keyshawn Vaughn. I think they go hand-in-hand hand, kind of like Devin Singletary and um, Zach Moss do because eventually he's going to take that job. I really think so. Um, the it might not be this is year. that unless uh, for our sp- league specifically – uh, the person piece, but then he gets to move up two slots. And I also want to caution this, that we keep talking about trading this year's picks. It would be the NBA style that because of how Yahoo's system works, we can't trade it within the draft. It would be post-draft where you'd have to instruct that person who to draft for you. So he would have you making whichever pick he had at two, and you would be doing the same for him at four. Um, and... I, I understand it because, honestly, the difference between two and four, other than um, you get a little bit more preference on which of the five guys you take, five or six guys you, you would end up taking, um, 
you know, I've already told you that I don't know if I would move up from five to two in order to do that because there's no home run guy to me in this draft out of those five that, like, um, I wouldn't have options. And so the value of moving up three slots is not as high as, say, it would have been, again, with, like, an Ezekiel Elliott or Saquon Barkley or something where it's it's a can't-miss guy. But, um, you know, throwing in that... Um. Well, that's a possibility, but I also think he's um, capable as a receiving back. He is. Maybe not immediately uh, because of the pass blocking uh, need for that particular thing. But these are not the Jim Bob Cooter offensive Lions. Like, they're not going to be throwing the ball 40 times a game. We've already seen over the last two seasons that Matt Patricia wants to run the ball. The problem was always that Carrion Johnson got hurt or couldn't take 20 carries a game. So I think this guy has, and this is where my reveal is going to come in. Uh, Swift is my number one. Wow. That's super and, surprising and after everything that I you've know, been talking about. These but last it's, couple of and years. it's simply this. Okay. I'm not as high on him. You're much higher. We have the inverse of thing. I think he has the number one opportunity to step in day one and be the number one guy and get 20 carries a game. And if well, you're yeah. telling me, yeah. if you're telling me that with the number one overall pick for immediate impact, where uh, running backs are getting one contract, they're getting on their rookie deal, and they're going to be used up, and Matt Patricia has the opportunity to give that guy twenty carries a game, you know, twenty five touches overall, I think he's the guy that comes in and gets used up the most. Like, I think he'll get beat the fuck up. I do. I just, I. I don't like the spot. I just, I think the other people that I have in front of him will have a much more successful fantasy career when it's all said and done. So, um, all right. So that leads actually to my number three then, which okay. is going to be the most surprising. It's Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I don't get you, man. <laughs> I don't understand you. On draft He's night, you not were going crazy to be... about him. Okay. The, the reason, I, I love it. And I think all three of these top guys have the potential. Like, he could be the most productive out of all three of these guys. And frankly, I really contemplated putting him at number two. And long-term value, I'd rather have my three and four guy, maybe even my five guy, than my number one or my number two. But right now, I don't know how he's going to fit in immediately on the Chiefs. And that's my concern. Like... As a Damian Williams holder and how he performed in the Super Bowl, I think the Chiefs are still going to lean on him as their number one guy, they which to me out. is a mistake. They're going to phase him out. Are they? They're going to phase him out. Yes. I, I, you spend I, a first-round pick on a running back? Come on now. If you're you're going to phase the other that, guy out. If you're telling me that Edward Zelaire is the number one guy in Kansas City before yes. week eight, then yes. he's the number one overall guy here. A hundred percent. He'll be the number one guy before we gain. I'd put money on that. I'm not so sure. I think <laughs> Andy Reid has been stubborn sometimes. Like he it, gave Spencer Ware how many opportunities? Now Spencer again, Ware was Spencer Ware was a speedy running back that could catch the ball really well. And I think that's so that's a type Williams. of dude. That's a type of dude that yeah, but Clyde Edwards is exactly that too. And he's younger. And I think he's probably faster. Probably better hands. Probably he's got just better, better hands, overall running back. I think he's the most um, capable of pass blocking just for how much he had to do it last year. Like, he was the third down catching back for LSU and was constantly in pass protection. So I think he's the most likely to step in and be able to fill that role. So I have less concerns about that one. But I think, on barring injury he is likely to get less touches than the two guys ahead of him on my list, at least immediately. And when you're talking about running backs, you almost have to think more immediately than you do with wide receivers. And that's part of my argument. So number two is I th the guy I think you have number one, Cam Akers. And it's simply uh, because there's no clearly established number one starter ahead of him on that roster at the moment. Like, Malcolm Brown and Dar Darrell Henderson were thought to be the number one guys ahead of that. 
But if he's going to step in and he has the opportunity to really work in as the number one back, if they have full practices and the rest of it, his opportunity as the number one back in a highly productive offense. I don't think he translates. He's not Todd Gurley level um, ability. Todd Gurley is immensely talented and just due to injuries and his knee, like he could have been a lot uh, more special for a longer period of time. But can he be highly productive? Can he be a B-plus to Gurley's A? Yes, I think that's possible. And it just depends on whether he's going to get the opportunity. And then one I already said it was DeAndre Swift. So. Cam Akers is my number three. Um, I, have Dobbins, I have J.K. Dobbins as my number two. Um, just because I love the future of J.K. Dobbins. I think you yeah, I pair him... You pair him with Lamar Jackson um, for years to come. I love it. And I think he ends up being the starter um, by the end of the year, beginning of next year. Probably beginning of next year. Um, And then I have Clyde Edwards as number one just because I think he has just the immediate impact factor. I'm really surprised you have Cam Akers as high as you do. You haven't really talked about him as highly as I have. Um, so my question to you then is if you had, you have the number five overall pick and cam Akers is there, who are you taking? You taking cam Akers? Or are you taking one of the, or one of the running or wide receivers? If no wide receiver has been taken yet. So yes, as we've mentioned a bunch of times, he's in that category. Yeah. Regardless real, of how his team even looks. He's a real at son mid-season. of a bitch. A real son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Hearing that, but. <laughs> no, I mean, in, in that too, like, and our league isn't getting any easier. Like, we keep adding no. 